0: Alright guys, well we are still in our series in the What We Believe, and today we get to get into the subject of angels, alright, it is the next section in our doctrinal statement, um, and so I want to just prime the pump with two quick questions, okay, first one being where do angels and what our doctrinal statement calls fallen angels, that Satan, demons, okay, where do they show up in the Bible? Let's just go quickly and let's just think of like various places. What'd you say? The beginning. The beginning, right? So we got Garden of the Eden, Garden of Eden. We got the serpent there. Yeah. Where else? At the birth of Jesus. At the birth of Jesus. Tell me where um, what happened. Like when the, uh, Gabriel appears to Mary. Yeah. Gabriel comes, tells Mary she's going to have a baby. All right. What else? Anything else? Yeah. When Jesus was tempted. Yeah. Who tempts him? Satan, Satan himself shows up to tempt Jesus. Okay? And did you guys know there's also another one at the end of Jesus' temptation? What does it say happened? Satan left him and?
1: The angels, came.
0: the angels came and ministered to him. So we got both showing up in that story, okay? Dalen?
1: Like
0: so Jacob has this. Yeah, it's really important. Dream when he sleeps and he mm-hmm. sees that the gates of heaven are opened up, and there's this ladder, Jacob's ladder, of the angels going up and down into heaven. Yeah, Alan. Yeah, so demon possession uh, or oppression taking place mm-hmm. in the Gospels, encountering Jesus, Jesus casting out demons. Yeah, Caleb. Yeah, so all over Revelation, we've got all sorts of images of dragons and angels and demons and different things. Yeah?
1: I might be wrong, but like when Samuel was a kid and like God was talking to him when he was trying to sleep and he kept going to his master and he's like, I didn't call
0: you. Yeah, exactly. So that's that would be an example of the Lord speaking directly to him, right? So we don't actually see angels and demons in that one, but God himself <laughs> is is calling out to Samuel and he's hearing his voice as he sleeps, yeah. So we would put that in the same category, though, of experiencing you know, the other realm of the spiritual realm. Yeah. Anything else? There's tons of places. Yeah? With Daniel. okay. So Daniel's visited by an angel. He gives him this long description of what's going to happen at the uh, end times. Anything else come to mind? Satan afflicting Job. Yeah, so Satan afflicting Job. So we've got Satan shows up... Before God, right, and says, "Here's why Job likes you is because he blessed him. Let me do this to Job, and and he'll curse your name." And God says, "Okay, go ahead." And we have that whole story. Uh huh.
1: Like, like,
0: yeah. So we have angels showing up. Yeah. Then, okay. And yeah, angel. Yeah, Balaam's donkey sees an angel blocking the road, and Balaam doesn't see it, and he has to eventually get corrected by his donkey, because <laughs> the donkey knows better than he does, right? Okay. Lots of examples. yeah.
1: Don't angels, shepherds
0: yep. the: Yep. A whole heavenly host of angels show up to announce Jesus' birth to the shepherds in the field. How about after Jesus? What about the, the early church? Any angels show up to the early church? Yeah? Um,
1: When Peter gets let out of
0: prison. Yeah. yeah. Yep, in Acts, Peter's in prison and an angel shows up and takes him out of prison. Okay, good. right, lots of examples, okay? How about this question, second question? We're just priming the pump here. Oops, going too fast. Let's do this. What questions do you have about angels and fallen angels? And they could be all the way from silly and ridiculous to serious, okay? But I just think it'd be helpful for us to like let's get some thoughts out there before we jump into some topics. Yeah, Sam.
1: If God is perfect and he created angels for sure, then how can then how
0: how come there's fallen angels? Like so how why are there fallen angels in the first place? Yeah, okay.
1: wouldn't God have created
0: them perfect since he perfect. Okay. Well I, I mean right off the bat, you could use the same yeah. argument for people, right? And he did and he did create people perfect. So I think the quick answer to that one would just be angels must have some similarity to people in that they can choose to rebel against God. Okay. Yeah, yeah, good question. Dalen.
1: Can they see through their like, they, Can you
0: see them? Can you see them? And the answer from the Bible would be yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're a donkey. If you're a
1: donkey. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha, ha. ha.
0: No, Dalen, the answer is when, when they want to be seen, they can be seen. But oftentimes they aren't. Yeah, we usually don't see them. Yeah, Aaron. Have other angels besides Satan tried to like, um, take over God? To like... Yeah, have other angels done that? And, and what we know is Satan seems to be the head of the demonic angels, but everyone who followed Satan was an angel at one time. So they're, they're all in rebellion with him. But um it seems like Satan continues to be the, the leader of them. Yeah. Yeah, Doug. Is there
1: some connection between angels and fallen
0: angels and UFOs and aliens? Ah, UFOs and what was the last one? The aliens. Aliens, yeah. Yeah, is there any connection there?
1: Serious question because my coworkers
0: are asking me this question.
1: Okay. What about aliens UFOs? I mean we're having a lot of talk about it in the media right
0: now. Well and here would be a, an easy answer to that question, which is that demons, one of their characteristics is that they're deceptive. They're deceptive. So, could a demon deceive you and think he was an, make you think it was an alien? It wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibility. They are deceptive. They're liars. They're tricksters. Yeah? Um, would, like, a fallen
1: angel be able to be like, redeemed like, if they were
0: so Could a fallen angel be redeemed? Okay? Yeah. And scripture answers that one, too. And the answer is no. What does that mean? They cannot. Their, their judgment has already been declared and is final. There is no going back for those who have fallen in the, in the angelic world. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah? How is your different from it's like, especially when like like, does God speaks God angels just as, much as That's a good question. There are some clear differences between angels and humans. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. the Psalms tell us that the humans were made a little bit lower than the angels. Yeah. Um, and so we have that verse that suggests there's some sort of distinction between angels and humans. Um, and yet, it also says that we will one day rule over angels. Okay? Um, it also, another distinction would be in what Noel just asked for Christ came to die and redeem humans, but not demons. Okay? So demons don't have that opportunity to repent and believe and be transformed. All right, so there, we could keep going. That's a good question, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Aaron. Uh, does God create all angels, or, 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 or does he still create angels? Does he still create angels? Good question. I don't think so, but yeah, I would say he created them as eternal beings um, at the beginning of time, and I don't think he's making new ones. That'd be, that'd be my thought on that. All right. One more, Dalen, and then we'll start jumping into it here has god already defeated satan an excellent question and the answer is yes Yes. he has defeated him and yet he allows satan to continue to influence the world until his final defeat which is still to come and is predicted in revelation so we're going to get to that awesome great questions all right well this is a really interesting topic um it, it can kick up a lot of questions um, so I'm going to try to hit it well, but know that we probably won't get to everything. Um, our doctrinal statement, if you actually look at it, this is the absolute shortest section. Okay, It's the shortest section is on angels. We have one sentence, this one here, on angels, and we have two sentences on fallen angels. That's our doctrinal statement. And you might wonder, well, what does that tell us about angels and demons? Okay? Um, I don't think it's because they're not important. And I don't think it's because the Bible doesn't talk about them. The Bible does talk about them, and they are important. Um, I would say it's more because of the way the Bible talks about them. All right? At no point does Paul say to any of the churches in his letters, and now let me explain to you in full detail everything that happens in the spiritual world with angels and demons. Okay? At no point does an angel show up and say, Hi, I have been sent from on high to uh, explain to you how all of that works. Okay? We just get glimpses of things as the storyline of Scripture progresses. Okay? We get little glimpses of an angel shows up and says, I've been sent by God to tell you this. And then they're gone. An angel shows up and people shake in their boots. And they, they fall down in front of them. So we get to know a little bit about what they are, their presence are, is like, what it's like to stand in their presence. And then they say, don't worship me. I'm not God. You only worship God. Here's what he says. And then they leave. So we just get these little glimpses as they walk in. And even in the New Testament, when we, we hear about angels and demons, it's not usually being said, let me tell you about an angel and a demon. It's saying, if God does this in the world of angels and demons, he'll also do this in the world of humans. It's, it's always getting at, here's how to be Christians. Here's how to be the church. Here's how God works. It's never for the point of just saying, here's how angels and demons work. Let me tell you, just because I'm sure you're curious. Okay? That's not how the Bible talks about them, necessarily. And then there's other passages where it's just kind of hard to tell, are we talking about angels and demons here, or are we talking about humans? Okay, So there's passages where um, it talks about, let's say, in Isaiah, the king of Babylon. And as it's talking about the king of Babylon, there's this really poetic language. If you guys have tried to read the prophets, you encounter poetry, and there's images and pictures, and you're like, man, it sounds like someone was on something when they wrote this. Um, and, And it's really hard to understand at times. And it's hard to tell if they're going between the real world and the spiritual world and what's happening here. And so sometimes... We have ideas that I think this is describing Satan, but it's not very, like, 100% clear. Which, let me just put out there for you guys. As you guys think about how to study the Bible and what we believe, you need to know that it's okay to have a theological category in your mind of, I'm 60% sure that this is what this is saying. Okay? So as Christians... You don't have to be like 110% sure of every single thing that you believe. It's perfectly fine, and I think it, especially in the realm, well, I should say in some things, we should be 100% sure because it's very clear, okay? But in other things, for example, like angels and demons, there's passages, and I'll give you an example of a few as we go through today. Um, Like one we'll see in a video in just a minute, is this idea of, you guys know what the Nephilim are? Okay, there's this really short passage in Genesis. Um, it's right before the flood, okay? It's right before the flood. This is something that authors of, of Christian fiction, they love to pick up on this one and, and throw it in their books and uh, make big, big deals about it. Um, but here, let me read it to you. Genesis 6. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he his flesh in his days uh, shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. And then it goes on to talk about how the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, every intention of their thoughts was evil, and so he's going to send a flood. And so we take that passage and we say, What is that talking about? (laughs) It's really important. Like, who are the sons of God? And so some people would say these are demons who have come down, fallen angels, mated with human women to create a, a super race of these Nephilim who are giants like like Goliath was maybe one of them and, and remember when they go and they find the promised land and they say like the people are huge in there right and, and there's this race of like half demon half human people and they have to be defeated is that what's happening another interpretation is that sons of god is a way that we refer to human kings it's a you know kings back in Israel's day were understood to be divine that they're part god they're part man And it's actually talking about the kings taking women for themselves. What do we do with that? So when we build whole theologies off of what demons are like and what they do off of passages like this, it's okay to say, here's what I think it means, and I'm 75% sure about that. And there's a possibility that I'm wrong because it's kind of hard to tell. So just know that when you're studying your Bible, it's okay to have that, that category out there, okay? All right, I am taking way too much time on this, so let's go. We're going fast. All right, angels. We teach that angels are created beings and are therefore not to be worshipped. In God's inscrutable wisdom, they are created to serve humankind and to serve and worship God. Okay, so let's look at the Bible here. There's a couple of places we should look. Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. When you hear this type of language... We're talking about human rulers, but we're also talking about spiritual rulers. Okay? The language of ruling is used in the spiritual word, world. Like Satan is called the prince of the power of the air, the prince of demons. And then there's also princes. Like Michael is called the prince of the angels, or I think it's called I Don't, don't quote me on that. It's in Daniel. I have to find it. Okay. Um, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. So all things are created. So this is talking about angels, this is talking about demons, this is about Satan. Everything has been created. God's the only thing that wasn't created. Um, We also know that angels are not supposed to be worshipped. And we have this really clear example, the Apostle John. He's given this vision by an angel of what's going to happen at the end times. And John fell down at his feet to worship him. That's how brilliant they are. But the angel said to him, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you. So this is defining. Wow, what do we have in common with angels? What do we, how are we different? He says, I am a servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. So angels, just like us, are pointing to God, pointing to God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Okay, um, Hebrews 1.14, listen to this. G, talking about angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. He's making this argument that angels isn't their whole purpose to go about serving Christians. Isn't that a crazy thought? I mean, think about that for a minute. I know that we don't see them. But the angelic world is at work to help Christians. Okay? It says in the Psalms that God will send his angels to lift you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. There's this idea that God is sending angels, that he's commanding the forces of the angelic armies to help you. Okay? We see that in a couple of places, so let's look at a couple of examples of that. Daniel, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. So, God could have just made the lions cease to exist. He could have closed their, you know, just made it so that they all lost their teeth. I don't know. God sends an angel to help Daniel. The reason that the lions didn't eat him is because an angel was with him and the angel closed their mouths. right. Or how about in the early church? It says the high priest rose up and all who were with him that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. So angels have this kind of power, right? Like locks are no match for angels. They're the ultimate locksmiths. They just go and doors open, okay? Chains fall off. They can do that. And the angel says, go stand in the temple and speak to the people All the words of this life. So the gospel, go speak the gospel. So angels are on the side of gospel. Go, keep doing gospel work, okay? And then Peter. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. This is like high, like maximum security prison. You are asleep between two guards to whom you are chained with two chains and there's guards out in front of the door. Maximum security prison. What happens? Oh, they're no match for God's armies. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side. Apparently they're not about like kind of gently waking you up. It's like, hey, get up. Woke him, (laughs) said, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. So it's kind of hard to believe when you're interacting with an angel. It's like, this doesn't happen every day. Am I dreaming? When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. So maybe they didn't even need to, like, push on the gate. They just walked up, and the gate opened in front of them. Wouldn't that be nice? As we walked through doors, they just... We've actually invented those
1: doors.
0: (laughs) It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. So it seems like, like the assignment was, get Peter out of prison, and mission was accomplished, and then Peter's out of prison, and... When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. So he realizes it's not a dream. I'm actually out of prison. Okay? So lots of stuff. Psalm 103, 2020. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. So angels are working for God. They are ministers who do his will will the mighty ones who do his word who obey the voice of his word god is sitting on his throne and he is sending angels to do what he wants them to do so that's like an example like gabriel right gabriel shows up i've been sent to you okay god sent me this is how it works and then another thing to know about angels is there's just a lot of them and they praise god all the time then I looked and I heard around the throne of the living creatures, of the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So we only know of two angels that have been named in scripture that I can think of, Gabriel and Michael. But there's lots of them. Okay. So God has a whole army up there to do his will and they're created to worship so I've got a little video for us, and hopefully it will give us a little picture into. <clears throat> and let's start at the beginning. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> that our God is in the
1: heavenly realms, but not by himself. There's a whole staff team that the Bible calls the divine council. But in the Bible, there are still more beings in the spiritual realm, like the cherubim and also the angels. So let's talk about them. Okay, first, the cherubim. These are chubby little babies with wings, right? No, you gotta get that image out of your head. Cherubim, or in Hebrew, cherubim, they're way more fascinating. They're described as hybrid creatures, a collage of different animals, and every time they do appear, they look a little bit different. That's intense. Yeah, they're supposed to be intimidating. They stand guard at the boundary between heaven and earth. If you see them, you know you're entering the presence of the one who is above all and truly other. The first time Cherubim show up in stories of the Bible, they're standing outside of the garden of Eden. Right. The garden is God's temple residence. And so he places these spiritual bodyguards at the entrance so that the rebel humans can't get back in and ruin everything. But the biblical story is about how God wants us back in his presence. Yes, exactly. So, this is why he chose the people of Israel and gave them the gift of a symbolic miniature Eden called the Tabernacle, and then later the Jerusalem Temple. In both of these spaces, cherubim were painted and engraved all over, reminding the priests that they are working in God's presence. Now, if a priest went into the Holy of Holies, he would see there a golden box called the Ark of the Covenant, and on it were two cherubim. What's going on here? Well, the Biblical authors describe the ark as the footstool of God's throne, which the cherubim are carrying. Like we read in Psalm 99, God sits in throne above the cherubim. But there was no actual throne above the box. Right, the Israelites weren't supposed to represent God with any physical image. But when the prophets had visions about this space, they saw Yahweh sitting on his throne. Okay, so cherubim dark the sacred space, carry God's throne, but why do they look like animal mashups? Well, they're symbolic representations of all the creatures of the earth, because they all belong to God. This is why in Isaiah's vision, all of the creatures are singing. Everything that fills the earth is God's glory. Like a choir? Yeah, through the cherubim, all creation offers praise to its maker. Great, that's the cherubim. Now let's talk about angels. I'm way more familiar with them, human-like figures with feathery wings. No, way, stop. Angels in the Bible don't have wings. What? No wings? No angel wings. In fact, angels are often mistaken for people because they look like us, just a bit more impressive. But the cherubim have wings. Yeah, and the angels are different because they have a different purpose. Okay, which is? Well, humans can't just march into God's realm, so God will reach out to us, and he often does so through these spiritual ambassadors. So angels are like spiritual messengers. Yeah, in fact, that's what the word angel means, a messenger. Right, this happens a lot in the Bible, like the angel who tells Mary she's pregnant with Jesus. Yeah, and then the other main role of angels is to perform missions on God's behalf. Sometimes they rescue people from danger, like when Peter is released from prison. And there's some really cool angels, like Michael, Gabriel. Yeah, the name Gabriel means God is my power, and Michael means who is like God. But also notice, these names point to God, not to the angels. Like humans, the angels are images of God's presence and power. But still, how cool would it be to meet an angel? Yeah, and maybe you will, and maybe you already have. But no one in the Bible is ever encouraged to go looking for angels. And when angels do show up, people are usually puzzled or freaked out. So, angels are really awesome, but they play a supporting role Yes, because God's ultimate purpose is to bring humans back into His presence in a reunited heaven and earth. And in the meantime, He uses angels to guide and to serve His people. Okay.
0: Alright, so we're going to move quickly with time running out here. So let's jump into Paul and angels. So we teach that Satan is a created angel, the originator of sin. He incurred the judgment of God. So as Satan begins sin, he's the first one to rebel against God. If we ask the question, when were angels created, we'd have to say sometime between day one and day six of creation. And God created everything. And there's maybe a hint, it's kind of interesting to think about this, in what it says about day one, in day one it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Okay? So maybe, he doesn't say anything about the heavens, maybe on day one, God organized the heavens and created all the heavenly beings and the heavens were kind of already set up and working in that way. And then, moving on to day two, let's get to work on the earth. Possible. It's reading into the poetry there. Um, but in that time of one to six, Satan rebels. He incurs the judgment of God by rebelling against the creator. Um, we see in a couple of passages in scripture that, again, We're not sure, like, is this talking about a human king? Is it talking about the king of Babylon? Is it talking about Satan? There's a passage that sounds a lot like it's talking about Satan rebelling against God, um, and then he comes down and he leads Adam and Eve to sin, okay? We teach that Satan is the open and declared enemy of God and man, the prince of this world, who has been defeated through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that he shall be eternally punished in the lake of fire. So here's the passage I'm talking about. It's hard to tell if it's the king of Babylon or Satan, but it says, You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. So the stars of God, stars are oftentimes an image for the angelic beings, angels, demons, or stars. Um, I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Okay, but we do know that Satan's main... Uh, Sin was pride, setting himself up as God. For the sake of time, I'm going to keep going. We know that Satan will be thrown into hell. Um, we know that he is an accuser. Um, yeah, God, Jesus defeated him at the cross. Um, Satan, there's an eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And that fire is where he will be tormented forever and ever. Um and that is from last week. I should have gotten rid of these passages. They shouldn't be in here. So I have another video for us really quick on Satan.
1: So we've been learning about spiritual beings in the Bible, and I still have a lot of questions about the bad ones. Well, okay. great. Let's talk about the Satan and demons in the story of the Bible. So let's start in the beginning. In Genesis 1, God creates a beautiful, ordered reality out of darkness and disorder so that light can flourish. He appoints humans as his representatives to rule over all of it, and seven times, God calls it good. Yeah, I experience that kind of goodness often in the world, in things like beauty and truth, love and generosity. But in Genesis 3, we meet a creature who's in a state of rebellion against his creator. We're not told yet why or how he rebels, but he's on a mission to ruin God's good world for other creatures. This thing is true. Yeah, this creature is the Bible's first portrait of evil. It distorts what God has purposed for good ruining and dragging creation back into darkness and disorder. So the humans join the spiritual rebel, which leads them back into chaos and death. And from this point on, the human rebellion is interwoven with a spiritual rebellion. And the biblical story shows how this happens over and over again. Okay, but wait, we're getting all this from a slithering snake? Well, there are clues in the story that it's more than just a snake. Remember, Edith is a high place where the earth and its creatures overlap with heaven and its creatures. So the snake could be a spiritual being. Well, Genesis 3 points in that direction, and then later biblical authors fill in the picture. Like when the prophet Isaiah has a vision of God's heavenly throne room, he's surrounded and being praised by the spiritual beings. Yeah, this is a cherubim around God's throne. But when Isaiah sees these creatures, he describes them as seraphim, which in Hebrew means... Ah, uh, so the snake is like a former staff member in God's throne room. So why is he talking to the humans? Well, the prophet Ezekiel understood this figure as a spiritual rebel who didn't want to live under God's wisdom authority. He wanted to be God. Oh, right. That's the same temptation the snake puts before Adam. And Eve. Exactly. He says they could rule the world like God, but by their own wisdom. So, they're all kicked out of the garden. Yeah, God says this rebel will now crawl on that Where does it go after this? Well, the biblical authors offer subtle clues where this being is at work behind the scenes, animating division and hatred between humans. They also use a variety of images to describe this being. It's a snake, or a sea dragon, or a dark desert creature, or the king of death and the grave. He's also given many titles, like tempter, or the evil one, or the devil, which in Greek means the slanderer. But his name is Satan, right? Actually, no. Satan is not a name. It's another one of these titles, which is why in Hebrew it has the word the in front of it. The Satan means the adversary, because he isn't for anything. Rather, he's anti-everything working through lies to drag us back into darkness and disorder. That's intense. Now, what about these other spiritual rebels in the Bible called demons? What are they all about? Okay, so remember the concept of God's heavenly staff team, the divine council, or the sons of God. In the Hebrew scriptures, we're told... Okay,
0: you're just going to have to go and watch that on your own. (laughs) We are running out of time. Yeah, I wanna I wanna hit a few points as we close here, okay? So, we've got Satan, got demons. Why does it matter? That's the big question for us. What do we need to take away from this, okay? And this is the most important part of, of our time together, okay? Why do we need to address Satan and demons? Why is it helpful for us to know these things? Okay, well, if you're a soldier, which we are, and you're about to go into battle What types of things is your commander going to tell you? Well, he's going to tell you who the enemy is, right? He's going to say, here's what the enemy is. Here's what they look like. Here's the weapons that they have. Here's what their goal is. Here's what's motivating them. Here are their weaknesses. Here's how they can be defeated. That's crucial information, right? Going into battle. At the same time, he should also tell you, here's who our allies are. Here's who's on our side. Here's what our goal is. Here's the weapons that we and our allies have. Here's how we can defeat our enemy. It is absolutely crucial for you to be aware that you go through life not just with other people, but with the spiritual world around you so that you can know how to win the battle of the Christian faith, which is described as a battle in multiple places. That's why it's so important. And here's a passage that helps us to see that. Ephesians 6, that's the passage on the armor of the Lord. Paul says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of who? The devil. Satan. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. What does that mean? Well, that means that your enemy, first and foremost, is Satan. It's not Sammy or Jim or Emily. Your opponent, first and foremost, is Satan. Okay? Okay? And the reason that's helpful is because when you start to experience conflict in life, when you start to experience attack in life, you don't have to respond by saying, this person's got to go. I hate this person. I hope that God sends this person to hell tomorrow. You say, Satan has captured this person to do his will. And you're going to fight differently if you know that, aren't you? Because you're going to know that ultimately my battle is not against this person. My battle is against Satan. And so I need to do exactly what the armor of the Lord is telling me to do, which is I need to pray and ask the Lord to protect me in this battle and to win this battle for his glory on his behalf. And part of winning this battle is going to be people who were your enemies turning and becoming fellow Christians with you. That's why Jesus can say, love your enemies. Because the goal is that your enemies will one day become your fellow soldiers in Christ and fight alongside you. So it's super important that we know this. Now, a few things um, to know about angels and demons that might be helpful. First of all, C.S. Lewis has this really helpful quote. He says, there's two equal and opposite errors when it comes uh, into which our race can fall about the devil's. One is to disbelieve their existence. So if we go through life saying, like, ah, it's not real, we're deceived. We're not going to understand what's really happening around us. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. To go looking for devils. So like, What's happening? Like, is Satan doing this? Is Satan doing this? Is Satan doing this? Scripture doesn't lead us in that direction either. Scripture tells us that what we need to do is focus on following God, obeying Scripture, teaching the Gospel, preaching the Gospel, And we will win the war against Satan and demons. okay? Because Jesus has actually already won the war against Satan and demons. A couple of real real life uh, advice. We need to know that Satan and demons are real. And that they they really resist the kingdom of God. But we don't need to be obsessed with it. That's this here. Um, We need to be careful about receiving guidance from angels today. So now I'm going to go into the realm of the supernatural for a minute. People really do have experiences with angels and with demons. They really do. If you have an experience with what you think is an angel or a demon, be very careful about receiving guidance from them. Okay? And here's why. Number one, Scripture tells us that Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. If you want to know, for example, an example of this might be the Mormon faith. Where did the Mormon faith come from? It came from this one guy, Joseph Smith, right, having visions of an angel who came and told him things that were contrary to what the Bible says, and he developed an entire religion based on it, and people all over the world follow this religion. Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. Paul says, if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, Let him be accursed. If an angel of God, supposedly, tells you something different than what the gospel, this book tells you, damn him to hell. That's what Paul's saying. This is your authority, no matter what vision you have, okay? Know that Satan and demons are liars and murderers. They do have power. They do deceive people. At the same time, they're on a leash. We see that in Job. Satan comes and says, let me do this to, uh, to Job. And God says, okay. Which means Satan is doing horrible things to Job. And God is letting him. And that's the only reason why he can do it. It's because he's on God's leash. Know that we don't need to see a devil behind every rock. We see Jesus casting out demons and healing people. We also see Jesus just healing people. No demons. Okay? So not everything that happens is caused by a demon. But some of these things are. And last things, we don't fight demons by engaging in secret rituals or learning special techniques. We fight demons by knowing that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus has conquered them, that they must go in the name of Jesus. And we fight demons by obeying God's word and living the normal Christian life. Teaching the gospel, spreading the gospel, living for Jesus, obeying Jesus. That's how we fight demons. Okay? so much has been unsaid, so much still to be said. If you have questions or thoughts, you can always talk to me, and we'll go further and deeper. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this time together. Go with us now as we hear the word in the main service. In Jesus' name,
1: amen.